Welcome. You're listening to episode seven of The Path to Performance, a podcast for everyone dedicated to making the web faster. Uh, I am your host, Tim Kadlik. And I am your other host, Katie Kvalson. Uh, and we're back after kind of a little bit of a break, the 4th of July and traveling yeah. and all that stuff. We've kind of uh, are a little delayed this week, um, but we're excited to be back. Yeah, it's been nice after having a few lazy, like a little bit of a lazy couple weeks there. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get back to talking about some performance stuff. So yeah, the the nice thing about the big gap is you get a good, you get a nice buildup of of, of cool things going on, like yeah. to talk about, which is nice. Yeah, and this episode is no exception. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so we um one thing uh the uh so Val Head and Kenneth Bowles have that the new podcast. Yeah. Uh, motion and meaning. Yeah, all about animation, which yeah. is pretty cool. Um, you know, talking about perceived performance and all that stuff, um, which we touched on a little bit a few episodes back. So yeah, it's it's animation, motion design, things like that, all you know, for digital designers. They've got two out so far, which I've listened to, and they're very good. You know, and I think that this is one of those, like you said, you know, we've been talking about perceived performance. I think, you know, understanding how to do, you know, motion design properly on the web is going to become increasingly important. Yeah, absolutely. So it's pretty cool to see two super smart people like Val and Kenneth tackling it. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited about that podcast. So you should also go check that out if you're listening to ours. Yeah, if you like listening to things. Yeah. Another cool thing that I have seen around is the speaker deck for um, a talk called Death to Icon Fonts um, by, and I hope I'm saying her name correct, Serene Davies. And uh, it's it's really interesting from the perspective of, you know, why it's bad for people who are dyslexic and things like that. And um, it ties nicely into performance because um, we get a lot of questions in our Slack channel um, about, you know, using SVG for icons and things like that and what's better for performance. Um, and Tim, I believe both you and I are team SVG there. Um, for sure. I've got the the um, the shirt and I know the gang sign. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're, we're in a kickball team, team SVG. Um, <laughs> but yeah. The talk's really cool. And I think that SVG is definitely an important conversation for uh, accessibility for performance, all the nice things that all kind of work nicely together. Yeah, definitely. So I think that's, and this is the way I understand it. This is her first presentation, which is nuts because it looks like it was fantastic. Um, yeah. yeah, if they, if they do, I don't know if they recorded it, but if there is a recording somewhere out there, we'll eventually track it down and we can probably post it back up here, but the deck is definitely worth looking yeah. through. Or conference organizers. You should reach out to her. Yeah, def yes, absolutely. Uh, and then, so uh, Paul Irish has done yet another awesome performance audit, this time yeah. of the Reddit mobile site, um, which he did the audit all on, I think it's all on basically GitHub stuff. Like on GitHub, each like thought that he had was a different uh, comment on an issue or something like that. Um, and it is super detailed and 
super awesome. Yeah, super uh, and, thorough. Yeah, yeah, definitely. As is anytime he's done these sorts of things. And and just like before, I think it's really like it's cool for the performance insights, but I also like just getting a glimpse into how somebody else is going through the process of finding performance bottlenecks and you know, cuz you get a lot of you get a lot of insight into how he's actually identifying the issues, which is kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. So definitely check that out as well. You know, we've the performance audit stuff has come up several times, but I think that's a big step in any team's process for, you know, you got to be able to figure out where those bottlenecks are to be able to squelch them. So I think these are super valuable things every time one of these things gets posted. Yeah, and that kind of goes early on into sort of way back our mission thing of getting teams to thinking about and incorporating performance. Doing audits is kind of a preliminary step to getting on that road. Yeah, for sure. So I'm really excited about our guest today. Um, I used to work with her, um, and it is our episode today is all about the perspective of a project manager um, managing a performance budget and keeping a team on track. So I'm really excited to get this uh, different perspective and insight today. Yeah, we don't usually get that perspective. The project manager is not somebody we usually hear talking about performance. Yeah. Um, so really interested to hear what Brenna's going to say. Yeah. So let's go find out what she has to share with us. And we're back with Brenna Heaps, and I am so, so, so excited to get Brenna on the podcast. Um, Brenna and I used to work together at Happy Cog, where she was the project manager on actually every single project that I worked on there. And she's amazing and was an integral part in um, maintaining performance budgets for my team. So I'm really excited to get her perspective on how she did all of that amazing work um, from a PM perspective. So Brenna, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're up to now? Sure. Um, so I used to live in Philadelphia when I worked at Happy Cog, and recently I moved um, out into the middle of nowhere. So I currently live on Peaks Island in Maine. It's a tiny island off the coast of Portland and uh, loving it. My dog is loving it. My husband is loving it and we're having a great time. And uh, work-wise, I recently transitioned and now I work in product marketing at GitHub. So that's been a ton of fun so far, having a great time. Awesome. So, Brenna, as I just alluded to in my lengthy introduction of you, um, <laughs> you were a PM at an agency where you're kind of not the main and or only source um, or point of contact with a client, but you're really the main one. So on the one very specific um major pizza chain project that we worked on together where we decided going into it, we were going to use a performance budget. How did you start to have those conversations with the client that this was something that we wanted to do? Sure. So, you know, I think, you know, as a PM, I always kind of took it upon myself to be in charge of the requirements. And when I say in charge, I really mean um, the dumb person who says that I will maintain the spreadsheet. 
And uh, that doesn't mean that I dictated what the requirements were or anything like that, that, you know, that was obviously the team and the client, but I was the person who was maintaining all of that and keeping, keeping a record and making sure that we were staying on track. So one of the things that we actually talked to them about um, pretty early on, I would say at the kickoff is performance budget. And, you know, we kind of decided, I'm, I'm sure you remember, we kind of decided before we went into that kickoff meeting that performance budget was going to be a really important thing for them um, because their competitors had really horrible sites and, you know, performance was a real, real issue. And so we kind of went into that meeting saying, hey, this is something that we think can really set you apart from your competitors. And we kind of had to explain to them what a performance budget was. Um, I think that typically performance is something that most clients don't think about until it's not working. So, you know, it's kind of our job when we sit down with them and start talking about a project to bring it to their attention. And, you know, even if it's not something that they're super concerned about, it's still something that they should be aware of. So, you know, that conversation started really pretty early on. And then as far as keeping track of it, throughout the project, you know, every time, um, every time we did made any decisions, anytime we made any design decisions or, um, you know, decisions about how we would build something, um, how a page would work, how a piece of functionality would work. It always tracked back to that performance budget and it always tracked back to, okay, this is where we have to stay. And can we make, can we make this work within this budget? And if not, is it worth going over the budget or is there another way that we can accomplish the same thing and stay within the budget? So it's kind of how it worked. So you're really good at um, having those really frank conversations with clients and putting it in ways that they can understand. And what sort of things did you do um, as a project manager when the team said, this is something we want to do, Brenna? How did you sort of educate yourself on being able to have those conversations with the clients? Well, I mean, I rely heavily on the team, definitely. I think that I started the conversation and made sure that we were tracking back to the original requirements and the original kind of discussion that we had and budget that we all agreed to. And then I would kind of bring the team in and ask them to really sit with me and talk through things with the client. Um, I think definitely, you know, I'm not the most technical person in the world and uh, I can fake it sometimes, but I really, I really think that it's, it's super important to have, um, have the team members with, you know, I always felt like having team members with me in those conversations uh, was super important because, you know, <laughs> they're going to do a much better job explaining things than I am. Um, I'm definitely going to be the one that is kind of speaking the truth and starting the conversation and making sure that the client realizes like, this is kind of what we agreed to, but definitely the designers and the developers involved would do a much better job of saying, you know, here's where we are. Here's, um, here's what we can do. Here are our options. You know, let's make a decision based on that. Was it hard for you to be firm with the client when they say, we have all these changes and 
these are things that are going to blow the budget, but we really want them. Well, I, you know, you kind of, you kind of go into uh, good cop, bad cop, but I had to be both. <laughs> so, you know, I would, it, being a PM is, is kind of a difficult role because um, you want in, you know, on one sense, on one hand, you kind of like want to be an advocate for the client and you want to make sure that they get what they want. But then on the other hand, most of the time, things that clients want are um, stupid or wrong (laughs) or misinformed. So you kind of have to bring those two together and say like, well, you can do that, but that's the stupidest idea ever. But, you know, put it in pretty language. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, it was it was difficult. But I think, again, it goes back to the education and it's kind of like, okay, so you want this but here's what you're giving up for that. And is that trade-off, do you think that that's a good trade-off? Do you think that that's so important that you're willing to blow this other thing out of the water? And if it is, then, you know, we can talk about what that means. But if you, if you think that that's, you know, if it's not that important, then we can try and find a better way to do it. And usually it works. Um, it doesn't always work. Sometimes people just have their minds made up. But, you know, I think in in this role, when you're really kind of being trusted with helping someone um, create a website to do a project that is really, I mean, these projects are a year, a year and a half, two years long sometimes. And when you're spending that much time with a client team and you're really getting them to trust you, it, it's, I don't think it's just about like, saying yes or saying no, or saying, you know, I'm the expert, do what I say. I, I really think it's about continual education and just making sure that they understand where these decisions are coming from and why the team is making certain recommendations and making sure that they feel comfortable with what's being decided. Did you ever get to a point where you felt like somebody, um, within the, the client's organization was uh, sort of an internal advocate for performance. Like, um, you know, there was there was maybe a couple people that you were able to talk to that would help to rally the rest of the team whenever there was friction between, you know, this new feature and, and your performance budget. Oh, definitely. I mean, you find your advocates early on and um, you cultivate those relationships the best that you can. Um, you start following them on Twitter, you start talking to those people and getting to know them kind of outside of, uh, the project. But yes, I mean, I think that, I think that within all organizations, there's definitely people who get it and who want the project to be as successful as, you know, we want the project to be. So I think that sometimes, um, getting on a call or, you know, having a quick Slack conversation with those advocates and kind of saying like, here's what we're facing. Here's what we're proposing. Um, we're having a hard time getting people to agree to this and either asking them to go internally and be an advocate or asking their advice on, um, what is the best way that we can approach this subject with the rest of the team? So yeah, it's definitely important to find those advocates and, uh, make sure that they like you. (laughs) (laughs) Were you ever met with any 
hostility or extremely adverse to the recommendations that you would propose? Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> definitely. I mean, I, I think, you know, sometimes when, when you have to tell people that um, what they want is not possible or what they want is a really horrible idea based on point one, two, and three, um, it can get frustrating. And I, you know, I, I think that's because when you're dealing with large companies, um, you know, they have their, they have their internal web team, but those aren't necessarily the people that are making some of these decisions. Um, some of the the decisions that could lead to issues with performance budget are coming from, uh, different areas of the organization that don't really understand the work that we're doing and the recommendations that we're making. So I think, you know, that frustration kind of seeps into the client web team um, and they feel pressure and, you know, they, they're trying to do a balance just like we are. They're trying to balance creating something really awesome that performs well with meeting all of the needs and the goals that the, you know, marketing team or the executive team or the whatever team is putting in front of them. Um, in a lot of ways, they're trying to justify their existence within the company. Uh, and that's kind of crazy to think about, but, um, that's a lot of pressure. So that definitely kind of comes into play sometimes. And you're kind of at the center of all of that, all of the teams on the project, on all of the sides, on our side, on their side, like it all is kind of coming back to you, Brenna. Yeah, that's why I cried a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would too. <laughs> so did you did you find that you had to, when, when these other people, these other teams would get involved with these different mandates or directives, did you find that you then had to did you have to go and resell to that team as well on, on the, and, and sort of do the re-education in terms of performance? And if so, did you have to really shift significantly how you approach doing that, how you approach getting their, uh, their buy-in on that or their understanding? Uh, yes. I mean, that happens all the time and it's especially with performance because I think that, you know, performance budget is something that um, some internal web teams understand, not all, but some. And I think that um, as far as these other teams within an organization, they definitely don't know what that means. I mean, once you kind of explain it to them in really simple terms, they get it, but then you still have to educate them on why it's important and, you know, how performance, how having um, really optimized site performance is actually, a, could be a selling feature of your site. So, um, yeah, it's different how you talk to that group and it, it's more, um, it's more salesy. I would say it's, it's less about education and more about taking the goals that they are concerned about and, um, kind of explaining to them how, how performance will help them achieve those goals. So it's, it's almost like doing a sales pitch in a way. It usually involves slides, uh, <laughs> There's usually um, sometimes some interpretive dance involved to kind of <laughs> get them loosened up. But yeah, I mean, it, it definitely is something that has to happen all the time. And um, the approach is extremely different because you have to not only put it in a language that they will understand, but you also have to 
make it important to them. And it's, it's in most cases not important, important to them. Did you have to um, rely on their project manager as well? Um, I think typically in a lot of agency client relationships, there's a PM sort of on both sides managing their own teams, and then you have to work together. So was the performance budget a part of that conversation between you and their project manager as well? Yes. Uh, Kind of, again, tracking back to, you know, taking a look at requirements and kind of setting overall goals for the project. Um, That was actually something that he was pretty concerned about and was always asking about because that is something that we had set as a pretty major goal. So um, that was something that was discussed quite frequently in kind of our more uh, one-on-one meetings and really just kind of um, checking in, making sure that we were staying on budget, making sure that everything looked okay. Um, anytime, anytime a new like feature or some new outrageous functionality, like, you know, unicorns dancing across the homepage, anything like that was brought up, their project manager would always kind of point back to, well, will this, you know, will this um, allow us to stay within the performance budget or will this get us like crazy, crazy off budget? So again, you know, making sure that everybody is aligned ahead of time so that you can kind of point back to those original goals and, you know, the agreements that you made at the beginning and say like, well, we all decided on this and this was one of our original goals. And so having that internal advocate that is also helping you point back there is, is helpful. Did you have to, did you ever have to concede? Did you have to, uh, um, budge at, at all on your budget, um, at any point because there was a feature that you just could not get them to, to drop in terms of performance or were you always able to find some sort of balance between adding something and optimizing something else or removing something else? Uh, um, with this project, we were actually fairly lucky. There were a couple of places where we did have to budget a little bit. And, um, quite honestly, it just, it couldn't be helped. I mean, it, it kind of had to be, it kind of had to be done. Um, but we, we did work together to kind of still find the best way to move forward. So it wasn't, it wasn't horrible. Um, it didn't completely, it's not like it tripled our performance budget or anything like that, but you know, we did have to a little, but I think for the most case, uh, we were actually able to make it work, which now that I'm looking back on it and, and I've had some distance, I find utterly remarkable. <laughs> yeah, I know that can be a, that can be a challenge. And I know one of the, the follow-up things, if that I'm curious how you handled that one of the follow-up things in, 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 in some cases where that happens is that if you budge too much or you budge too easily, then, then the, the performance budget starts to lose its, its, um, its impact a little mm-hmm. bit because it starts being seen as something that's more movable than a firm target. How did you, did you have any issues with that or, or not really? Were you able to manage that pretty well? I mean, I feel that with this particular pro- project, it was, it was kind of easy to manage once we kind of got everyone on board and everyone understanding what we were doing, it was kind of easy to manage because I think that everyone tracked back to that. I'm, you know, if it's, as you're going through a project, if it's something that's like 
on a sticky note on the board that you're looking at all the time and thinking about all the time, it's kind of hard to forget. And if you, if you maintain respect for that decision, then, and you keep um, bringing it up and making sure that people are aware that it's, it's being considered, considered, and it's something that's important. And it's something that we're thinking about. I think it's, it's a lot easier to not let that slip. I think when you start making decisions about things and you're, you're not constantly thinking about how that will impact the performance budget, that's when you run into issues. Um, so if you're just like going, 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 and you're not tracking back, then it's much easier for you to get to the end and be like, Oh crap, what happened? But if you're constantly thinking about it and you're constantly kind of making decisions based on that, I think it's it's a lot easier. So what were some of the day-to-day things that you did to keep track of that and make sure that we stayed on track both in the design phase and the development phase? Mm-hmm. Um, across the whole thing, you were excellent at making sure that we stayed pretty reasonably within budget. Well, I mean, I, I would say that doesn't go to me. That goes to the team that was involved because um, really, I would say, if you remember uh, through the design process, you know, as you guys were designing, um, the developers were taking a look at everything that you were designing. They were kind of um, scoping it out, making sure that it would work, making sure that um, nothing was too crazy, making sure that everything would kind of stay within budget um, as you were designing, as you were coming up with things. So you know, we, from the very beginning, were um, taking a look at that and making sure that everything looked okay. And then if there was an issue, obviously we'd sit down and we'd talk about it. Sometimes we could just talk about it amongst ourselves. Sometimes we had to go to the client and let them know, like, we're seeing this issue, uh, you know, we're trying to find a solution, let's talk about it together. Um, And then I think once we got into development, we, I mean, we, Every single time that we built anything, we checked. Every single time that we, you know, made a change or anything like that, we checked to make sure that we were staying within the performance budget. So it was like that was actually part of our deliveries to the client. Like we would we would deliver code and we would, you know, track each delivery back to like where we were within the performance budget and how we were doing and, and all of that. So it was something that it was just so part of, of what everyone on the team was, was doing and working on. It was, it was just built into the flow. You know, I think that it, that really made it easy, but you know, that definitely wasn't my doing. That was, everyone on the team being super aware of what we were trying to accomplish and just making that part of their workflow. So I think um, a lot of project managers are sometimes hesitant or afraid to have that more organic, like back and forth, everyone involved workflow, whether it comes down to hours or something like, oh, we can't, you know, have developers in on every design meeting and things like that. How did you overcome those sorts of hesitations that a lot of project managers have. Mm -hmm. I I think for, I think for certain projects, you know, it doesn't, you don't need to have developers in every single meeting. I don't, it it really depends on the project for this project. Like every single person needed to be involved every single step of the way. Um, just because of the type of the project that it was, the scope, 
the crazy going on. I'll just call it the crazy. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, so I, I mean, I made it very clear to the team that that's how I thought it should work. And, um, obviously the team was completely on board and then, um, the clients were on board as well. And in fact, um, you know, we wanted to have our developers involved throughout the process. We also wanted to have their developers involved throughout the process. So even as we were, you know, starting off and going through wireframing and going through design, um, their development team was involved in that process with us. We had weekly meetings. We went over everything with them. So, you know, we were talking about, we were talking about the, you know, how we would build everything and the, what the final product would look like very early on with all of the designers and all of the developers involved. And I, I honestly think that in this project, that's not to say that it went completely smoothly, but I think that's one of the factors that led to it going as smoothly as it did. Um, I think that if we didn't do that, nothing would have ever been built, quite honestly. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have any takeaways? Like this was, that was kind of like a learning experience for all of us. Oh really, yeah. Like <laughs> actually implementing a performance budget throughout a project. What are some um, pros and cons that you learned um, for like some takeaways for teams or project managers to who are thinking about trying this, um, some takeaways for them? Uh, well, I mean, I would say just make sure, <laughs> make sure from the very beginning um, that really everyone is on board. And when I say everyone, I mean the client that you're working with, every single decision maker, anyone who will be approving anything Make sure that they understand what is being done, what it means, how it's going to be done, and make sure that they're all in alignment. Because, you know, I think sometimes you can waste a lot of time trying to bring people on board um, after the fact. So, you know, you think it's kind of going back to um, you think that you're just dealing with the web team, but you're not. You're dealing with the whole company. So you really need to make sure that everybody understands and that everybody kind of approves the process. Um, and as far as the team goes, I would say, again, make sure that everyone is kind of aware of the overall goal and, um, discuss how you're going to track that as a team before you get started. Like, how are you going to make that part of your workflow? How are you going to, you know, every time you make a decision, how are you going to track back to that performance budget and, and make sure that everything is in alignment. Um, because if you, if you have the how and you know how you're going to tackle it, um, then you won't kind of be scraping, you know, a month in after you've made all of these decisions going, crap, now we have to take a look and make sure that everything is lined up. Did that, um, we had a page in our project repos that kind of outlined everything about what a performance budget is, that's where we put all of our templates. Did you feel that that was very helpful or not helpful? Or I, I feel that it was very helpful. I was constantly referring people to that page. Um, so if anyone forgot or needed a refresher, or even if anyone on the client, on the client team needed to um, kind of have some language that they could, they felt like they could speak more confidently about it, it was there for them. 
And that's also where we kept all of our goals and tracked all of our goals. So, you know, even though we were tracking kind of each template as it was delivered, everything was outlined on that page. So, you know, it was a, it was a quick reference point for if we wanted to go in and say like, here's the goal, here's what we have, here's the goal, here's what we have. Or if the client wanted to do that, um, it was all in there. So I think it was very helpful. Nice. I like that. That goes back to your, um, your point about making sure that it was, it, you know, having it everywhere um, and therefore unavoidable and not possible to ignore. <laughs> no, not unless you really try hard. <laughs> so what were some of the things um, on that page that you would reference for clients? Well, I mean, honestly, I would just point them to the page and then we would walk through it. Um, a lot of times, you know, it's, we had discussed everything ahead of time. That page was really more of just like a repository for ongoing um, updates, but also kind of, um, you know, it was the education piece. It was information that was kind of distilled for them in a language that it was easy for them to um, digest and share with others. So if somebody on their on the client team um, needed to speak with an executive about what performance budget was, um, here was this page where they could basically read to them all of this information, give them examples. It would point them to um, you know different articles and different studies done. Um, so that they would have some references to back up the information that they were sharing. So it, it was really just a place where they could go to um, get information, but information that was written in such a way that it it was for normal people. It it wasn't like highly technical language. <laughs> Tim, I keep like <laughs> pause, pausing. Sorry, I'm sorry because I'm like be- trying to give you a chance because obviously I can. I'm, Very I'm quickly sorry. Pick up. <laughs> no, I just I I keep trying to stay back because you're doing such an awesome job. There's like, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So back to um, project management. I just I I want like every project manager on earth to like be as like supportive and open and communicative as you, Brenna. Like you're just amazing at everything you do. So if you have um, some closing thoughts for project managers that are managing performance budgets that we haven't already covered. (laughs) Go Uh, for it. Yeah. I mean, I I would say just um, it's okay to admit that you do not know everything. And I think that you really need to trust your team and rely on your team. Um, If you trust each other and respect each other, then it not only makes working together much better, but um, you guys don't have to worry as much. I mean, I think if, if you trust that everyone is going to be um, doing their job and taking responsibility for for their different pieces of things, I, th- I think that, you know, obviously it's going to make your life much better. So as a project manager, I think it's um, our responsibility to kind of uh, foster that type of collaboration and that type of rela- relationship amongst teammates. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a very... That's excellent advice. And this is, I mean, in this, I, I like the whole conversation was great. This is stuff that I, you know, I, I think you too, Katie, right. Get asked a lot about all of this, you know, side of things. Like how do you actually like technical details aside, how do you actually get this to work inside of a workflow and, you know, with members of 
you know, all sorts of different teams working together and working with the clients. Like, how do you get through all that people stuff is always, that always comes up. Very, very valuable stuff. Good stuff. (laughs) Yes. So thank you so much for sharing your insight and knowledge. And despite all the tears, um, I think you did an excellent job. And I hope that it it all, I mean, it did turn out successfully. Um, So, yay. And it's over, so yay. (laughs) (laughs) But... Brenda, yeah. if, if if people want to like follow along with you or find out what you're up to, or are there places to do that? Like Twitter, blog, <laughs> not all right. I don't know why we're laughing here, but not in a creepy way. I mean, like, no, oh, they're interested. No, no, I know exactly here. what you mean. I'm laughing okay. because I think every once in a while I will um, tweet at Katie or uh, you know tweet at someone else randomly. But um, man, I'm so bad. I really am a grandma. But um, I, uh, on Twitter, on Twitter, I'm just at Brenna Heaps. Okay, so I we think, could we I can follow uh, you there. It's definitely see. worth following along. She's worth. just like a, a gold mine of one-liners. Yeah, like once well, every perfect. three months, I really throw it out there. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. And then, so it's like one-liners, and then just random tweets at random people. Yes. Yeah. Okay, that sounds great. That sounds like the kind of Twitter profile that I would be down with following. All right. Well, thank you so much for having me, guys. This yeah, has been a lot of fun. Thank you so thank you. much for joining us. This has been so fun. I'm so happy I got to spend an hour with you again. Come visit. We'll go see the neighborhood whales. Yes. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everyone. Have a great afternoon. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Path to Performance podcast. Uh, You can subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or on our site, pathtoperf.com. You can also follow along on Twitter at Path to Perf. Uh, We'd love to hear what you thought, so feel free to drop us a note on Twitter or leave a raving and overly kind review on iTunes. Uh, We'd like to read those. Uh, And if you'd like to talk about being a guest or sponsoring a future episode, feel free to email us at hello at pathtoperf.com. 